quarterback names in the 2022 NFL Draft. Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral, Hayden Winks. We diagnose, evaluate, go through their games. We watched all their tape so the people out there don't have to. Well, I guess that they can join us here because we're going to go through some highlights, some pros, cons, all that stuff. In a separate video, we talked about Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett. Go back and watch that if you missed it. But today, Hayden, as we outlined there and in other conversations, I would not be shocked if either Ritter or Corral is drafted ahead of those two names and even, obviously, as the first quarterback off the board. Yeah, I'm trying to go through my grades, and I have like late round one to late round two for all four of these names. And I I can't tell you the, the mock drafts. I track the mock drafts like yeah. basically nobody else. It is chaos. Like Kenny Pickett's not in, in first round mock drafts. Malik Willis isn't now. Now Desmond Ritter is going top twenty in mock drafts. So I have I truly have no idea. And Matt Corral, it, I see the traits that Chris Sims has him QB one, but nobody else in the industry does. And it's kind of it's kind of interesting to track all this. Oh, you might adding another person in the industry to that list as quarterback one. We'll get that to that in a moment though. Um, yeah, I think that this is is a little microcosm of draft season where at every position. You know, when people started posting rankings in like November, December, even before then, it was locked in Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis as like the top two names, right? But as we go along, you need to throw those in the trash because once teams get to this point, they're all different, you know? And especially at the quarterback position where probably none are going top five, probably not even top 10, there's going to be one team in there that has one at the top of their list and they're just going to take it, Right. And so that could easily be one of the two names that we talked about earlier in the week, or it could be one of these two. And let's start, since I'm in the keys, with Matt Corral coming out of Ole Miss, Hayden. On first glance, you think that this Lane Kiffin Ole Miss offense is built on RPOs, and that really might be fair. But in fairness to Matt Corral, he handles them exceptionally well. Like he has really quick eyes, quick decisions, quick release. And as we've seen, NFL offenses incorporate these concepts more and more and more. You compiled a bunch of really good throwing highlights we'll get to in a moment, and you see him run a ton of RPOs. But again, on those clips, there's a bunch of non-RPO stuff in there as well that shows he can absolutely do that when the offense opened up and allowed him to do that. And that's definitely something I am intrigued by. So the first thing for Matt Corral, like you mentioned, it's the twitched up ability. And some of these, these motions... It's just he has to rotate his feet and deliver a dime. He can scramble like crazy at 93rd percentile rushing EPA. He's a little bit smaller and he's had some injuries. So you kind of have to be worried about that. But when he has to throw the ball downfield, he has the arm strength. He's definitely a twitched up athlete. A big concern here is like you mentioned, it's the RPO game. How much of that will translate just for reference? He only had 88 three to seven step dropbacks, which is the primary throw that you're going to have in the NFL. And he only had a 42% success rate. That's a little bit under like someone like Kenny Pickett had like two or three times as many of these pro style concepts, but he had 8.2 or uh, 9.0 yards per attempt on the non RPO plays. That's better than Desmond Ritter. That's better than a lot of these quarterbacks. So even when he wasn't doing that, he was successful. It's just like the, the small sample Yep, is concerning. And this offense was sick, like a very well-constructed offense. Lane Kiffin was definitely in his bag all year. Yeah, we could be looking at highlights of just Lane Kiffin celebrating first down, com- like, you know, completions or long touchdowns. We'll get here to a moment. He he has a lot of fun here. Now, let's bring up that question, though, with Lane Kiffin. This is someone who has 
a history of calling plays at the NFL level, quote unquote, pro style concepts. So why Hayden does he feel potentially the need with Matt Corral here to rein it in and run, let's say, and put a random figure on it, 70% RPOs when we're talking about passing offenses and passing plays, because there's a lot of that. And again, he is very quick, very decisive. His accuracy can be a little scattershot here and there sometimes, but where the rest of this quarterback class, when you look at it, they freak out when the primary isn't there. Matt Corral has that little extra comfort and confidence to make something happen along with that quickness and that explosiveness that you talked about. That again is, is, is something that I'm very, very interested in. Yeah. I think he was just so good at the RPOs in college and Lane yeah. Kiffin isn't concerned about how well it's going to translate to the pros. And he's just trying to win ball games. I think he does it because he has that, that twitched up ability and he can run like really well. Like Matt Corral is a very good rusher. And I think some of that will be able to translate and maybe not like trucking defensive players, but um, I, I think that he was a, a, a pretty good rusher. And that's like the primary reason I, I do. I do think that he showed some progressions. Like there was a, a, a mesh route right here where he, uh, you have a curl player and he sits through it and he can, he can do it occasionally. I think that his biggest problem as a passer was some of the accuracy. Yep. He was 56 out of 87 quarterbacks and catchable ball rate within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage in clean pockets. And I think that he throws with uh, power way, way better than he does with touch. So it's not just the progressions and the RPOs. I think that he's going to be probably a average to below average accuracy quarterback at the next level. Yeah, we're just seeing a few throws here, and I'll go to this last one once again. He does a really good job of throwing away from these closing safeties. He did it two or three times in the, the clips that we're showing here. You know, they're taking on the inside angle here closest to the middle of the field, and he's throwing away from them so he doesn't get his wide receiver killed. I also want to go back to some of these deep downfield shots that he's hitting, Hayden. Um, here, this is a good one. Um, one, Lane Kiffin absolutely loves it. You can see his arms up here on the sideline. And there are a couple times when you see, again, when he's allowed to, Matt Corral sidestep laterally, climb the pocket, then sidestep right, and then open up his, his, his frame and then try to throw it about 17, 18 yards down the field on the right side. And he might skid at five or so yards. So there, if you just took that play in isolation, you would question his arm. But here, man, he's throwing a ball 63 yards in the air, and it looks effortless. I want everyone to watch this. It looks effortless. And sure, the ball is a little bit inside. But it is pretty decent timing, pretty decent placement. That is an absolute dime. And when you consider that it's drop eight, he faced a lot of drop eight. I don't know if you noticed this after and during that Arkansas game, because a lot of these teams realized what Ole Miss was doing, and they still wanted to remain aggressive. Lane Kiffin called aggressive plays, and Matt Corral inherently is very, very aggressive in in his decision-making and wanting to create big plays down the field. That's not something that you can say about every single other quarterback in this class. And one final note on Kiffin's offense, Kevin Cole pointed this out, part of PFF, that they went for it on 50 plays this year on fourth down. He converted 63% of them. Like Lane Kiffin, in many cases, acted as if they had four downs to, to create 10 yards, right? And so that's why in a lot of these situations, you would see draw plays with him on third downs to you know shorten that gap. So 63% conversion on fourth downs. I think that jumped to 67% in 2020. 
he's making big plays in big moments that convert those four point plays that you and I talk about all season long too. Yeah, I'm I'm somewhere in the middle but on this kind of conversation about the the draw plays. I think they were like second or third in the entire college on like third and 10 plus draw plays or, or run plays just in general. Um, and there was one play in particular, I think it was against like Texas A&M or one of those schools. And they were going into halftime is third and 10 uh, with a minute left. And they're about the 40 yard line. And I included it in here. That I think it was the last play. They just ran a running back draw. And then they decided to punt the ball with a minute going into the clock. And they were already winning going into halftime. And that was pretty concerning to me. Um, but I, I do think that there is something too if they were planning on going on fourth down. And it, to me, it's just he's so damn athletic. Like that's why he was getting a lot of these draw plays. They were successful on them. So I, I do have questions about how much this will translate. I think like specifically with these, yeah, he's he's just a good athlete to me. Um, so I think that he has uh, some chance and some upside. Um, like this is a good good scramble and throw on the backside. Uh, different arm angles you talk about that i think it's really just the rpo game like it's not going to be as easy as it is just do you trust him to make some of these throws downfield where he's been pretty hit and miss on them but at the end of the day you get stuff like this like that, that's he, good running and he fights for it inside the five yard line too like if you give him a little segment of the end zone he is going to battle and get there uh this we see like it's very easy for me to project how he how he converted plays in college. And if an NFL offense says, okay, we're going to draft Matt Corral and run to his strengths, I can outline those and a play caller can build an offense around that. You know, I don't know if I can say that about Kenny Pickett. I don't know if I can say that about Malik Willis. We'll get to Desmond Ritter in a little bit. Like he is very aesthetically pleasing. And it's very easy to create a structure of an offense. And that's fantastic stuff. What we just saw here, like, again, it's very simple. It's immediate pressure. But he has, like, a comfort and a confidence to know and, like, for the game to slow down just a little bit that, hey, this is closing on around me. I know where the check down is. And because of the vertical routes that Ole Miss, you know, travels down the field, check downs aren't bad plays. They can be open. They can create some pretty big yardages as well. And just going back a little bit, he holds safeties very well. Like his safety manipulation is, is decent. It's really good. So look, Matt Corral is not one of these, like, I don't know, top end processors that we see every single year that are drafted, you know, number one, number two, number three overall. But if I was going to give him a comp, Hayden, it would be confident Marcus Mariota, you know, someone who is mobile who can play that quick game, who can get aggressive in the right situations, but he is more willing to be aggressive and assertive and take chances than someone who is starting in the league and, you know, was taking the top 10 previously too. That comp makes total sense to me. I, I haven't heard that. That, that. Yeah, that's, he throws these, this, these sluggo routes four vertical concepts all the time. And he's willing to throw that over the middle or down the field. Uh, ultimately he came out 66 percentile on EPA per play, which is not, all that great, um, but he at least played some stiff, stiff competition. So he, he's like an 80th percentile prospect in my model. I think that we haven't shown some of the negative plays he has. I think it's mostly accuracy based. Yeah. And he can have a couple bad fumbles and, and that stuff. But I, I think that there's some tools to work with. It just really just comes down to how translatable is this game. And I think that some people a little bit overthink that, but I, I still don't think I would draft him in the first round he's more like a, a round two maybe you get lucky you can get a couple starting years out of him. i'm just a little nervous that like all of that rushing ability is that 
long lasting in the NFL because he is pretty slender yeah. and he's not going to be able to truck people. But um, he's a twitched up athlete. And I feel pretty confident in that. Yeah. Again, is his accuracy an issue sometimes between like five to 10 yards? Yeah, it's 100% not perfect. Can we repeat ourselves and say that Lane Kiffin, NFL coach, decided to run 70% RPOs or whatever? Again, just throwing out numbers here based on just watching a bunch of his games. Yeah, but when we look in comparison to his peers, which he is being drafted against this year, I can easily say I... I see where the success with him can be at the NFL level. Now, that's probably not a top five, top 10 quarterback in the league. Like he might hamstring his play caller just a little bit. And like the ceiling might not be there at the end of the day. But at the very least, I know where he wins. And I know like that style has worked at the NFL level, but it's just not the you know high-end, high-end starters that we've seen of the last few years. But to me, that makes him the most confident evaluation I have of this group, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I think that what you said, like the, the comp makes total sense. I can't get over the Mariota with confidence. I think that's, that's basically right. And that to me, that's like what, that's like an early round two grade. Like if the, if the Seahawks draft him 40th overall or whatever, like, I feel like that's kind of the range where you're not banking on it, but I think that he has at least some skills where he's not going to look totally ridiculous in the NFL. Yeah. All right. So there's Matt Corral. Before we move on to Desmond Ritter, I know a favorite of a lot of people. We would appreciate if you joined us, liked and subscribed down the channel below. Um, and hit that notification button. We have plenty of NFL draft content on the channel right now and plenty on the way just two weeks until the big weekend when all these teams are forced to be honest with you and really change their franchise for the next three to five years. Um, so like, subscribe down below. So many good videos on running backs, wide receivers, and here we are to quarterbacks. Just people aren't into quarterbacks this year. Okay, let's go on over to Cincinnati's Desmond Ritter. We just went from potentially the quarterback that I had the most comfort in to now one that I just don't get it. I don't really get exactly the hype or the potential quarterback one overall buzz here for where Desmond Ritter is at right now. He's a very good athlete. I think he's the tallest of the group at 6'4". There's some really nice plays that he made in their upset win over Notre Dame. Is this a traits thing, Hayden? To you, if you had to make the case for Desmond Ritter, if you can do that, I have to put you on a spot. What would you say? He reads defenses better than anybody in, in this class. And I don't think it's perfect, but he does it and he will get through an entire progression. And he has um, legit four five two speed. A 127-inch broad jump is, is not messing around either he's the one that if you can run some rpo with him and they did run a lot of rpo uh in cincinnati they 100 did but when they did actually run more of the pro style concepts he was able to go from one to two to three now i don't think that he's a perfect uh prospect because in comparison to matt corral in the pocket matt corral's movements always made sense to me Desmond Ritter is kind of all over the place with his footwork and it leads to him getting on his toes more. He's also really lengthy. So he's just kind of really sweeping that arm around. But for a lot of it, it's just he's not getting his feet in the right place. And that's why his accuracy is, is so bad. So that my the biggest concern by far, Desmond Ritter, is the accuracy. Out of 87 quarterbacks last year in clean pockets within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage where most of the throws are in the NFL, he was 74th out of 87 quarterbacks. Like we're, we're teetering with 
red flag, like not, you can't trust him be just because of the accuracy alone. So I, I am, I'm very conflicted with you because I see some that can process yeah. and I can see somebody that can run the ball. Like those two things, like sign me up for that. It's just the, the raw traits of just arm strength plus accuracy. It's, it's definitely below average and how fixable that is, is kind of like the big question. You see him miss receivers downfield by five or 10 yards. You loved my confident Marcus Mariota for Matt Corral. How about athletic Mason Rudolph for, oh, for Desmond Ritter? I, I see a lot of that Oklahoma State, Missouri-style offense here with rock step and releases with Des- Desmond Ritter quite a bit. Now, he does get through his progressions like, like you were talking about to the degree that he's allowed to. Um, there were so many batted balls against that Alabama in the Alabama game. Did you it was see not that? a good game. It was over and over and over again. Um, rock step release. And when it wasn't there against the Crimson Tide, he would drop his eyes and he went into a panic. That game is often cited as like his worst one. And if you want to make the case against him, just throwing that. I thought the Navy game was even worse, man. Like the Navy game was brutal at times. He abandons clean pockets when his primary and secondary wasn't there. He climbed into pressure for absolutely no reason. I think it almost coincides with his game. It's the traits that you talked about. It's the athleticism, but it's also like potentially growing into his frame. Like he's 6'4", 215, and it just seems like that is a little microcosm of of him. If he grows into that and maybe his game develops a little bit more, then you have your quote-unquote prototypical quarterback that has these things that we attribute to successful quarterbacks in the league right now. Can you roll the other clip? Just yep. just show some of the accuracy issues and some of the things that we're talking about, about his struggles in the pocket. Now, w- while you're pulling that up, it's very important to say that Matt Corral has had some, some character stuff going back to high school and stuff. And everyone loves Desmond Ritter in the process. So like sure. that is a big, big part of this. And I can see why he's climbing up the boards, but like that throw right there, man, like you got to make that not even close. You, and he's not even close on some of these. That's like the, the biggest thing. And I don't know if how, how not much even accuracy close. is fixable, but I don't know. He's he started for four years at, at Cincinnati, and that's a well coached program. There's a lot of uh, going to be uh, day two draft picks from this team, so I don't know, man. I'm I'm very conflicted, and also like that's I mean, a bad. That's why a even why even make decision. this throw? This is Navy. What I mean, he's sitting there. What are you looking at? I know. So I, I feel like I feel like what what happened here is. There's not a lot of good decision making in this draft class. And that, since he's the best, now he for sure is quarterback one. I don't fully see it. I think a, a lot of it's just like some of these touch passes. He just doesn't fully have it. So I don't know what to do with him. Like, I, I don't want to spend a first round pick on him just because I really think that this accuracy is a, is a big problem. If you kind of look on, I slow mode down this one because he's way off. He's just like, Toes. So, so toesy. Look how big his feet are. I don't know. Like, there's just like some things that just, it doesn't look exactly right um, when he's actually throwing the ball. Um, so I'm conflicted. I, I think that he'd be a good backup to have in there where you can like kind of trust him to be uh, running your offense and you can probably surprise some teams with the RPO and the speed and all that stuff. I don't know. Consistency on like a play to play basis. I just didn't see it. And he ultimately came out. 54th percentile EPA per play among drafted quarterbacks. And that was against a 29th percentile strength of schedule. So average production against below average competition. Um, I, I don't get the the full hype with him. Yeah. Again, I think the hype 
and whichever one anyone gets attached to of this group is in relation to his peers of this year. And you yes. don't have that, that one we can point out that says he does everything well, you know, that he is comfortable and confident when given a clean pocket, which all these quarterbacks have multiple times when you watch these games and that he will sit there and go through the structure of the offense that his play caller wants him to. You know, we talked about Kenny Pickett, that at least to me, he will have to thrive on being a processor at the NFL level, but he's not one right now. He abandons things. Malik Willis, fantastic athlete, super shifty, running the football, loves to throw outside the numbers and downfield along the sideline, and that's where he's best. But anything over the middle of the field, it's a complete question mark. It's a complete blind spot. Desmond Ritter, RPO king at this moment in terms of quickness, explosiveness, quick twitch with his delivery and his eyes and his manipulation. And when he's given the moments and the platform to throw downfield and be aggressive and work in a quote-unquote pro-style offense, I'm intrigued. And now we get here with Desmond Ritter, the size, the athleticism, apparently the personality that people love, technically improved a little bit each and every year, but still with a hundred questions. I just outlined the top four quarterbacks there. And I think because of that, we can all hype up whichever one we want to, but in relation to, again, going back to it last year, at best, these guys are quarterback six in that class. Yeah. These were just debating. Do we want to take with the 20th or 32nd overall pick? If you're the Steelers or the lions, do you roll the dice and commit to somebody for three years or do you just want to wait to next year? I think that's like the the kind of line we're talking about. I don't see a top 10 player. No. And no, I just I just don't see it. So it's basically all right. You're the Seahawks with the 40th pick. The the Lions have two picks right at the the one two turn. The Steelers need quarterbacks. Like that's 20. the kind of range we're talking about. And I'm not super confident which one's going to go that high. Uh, to me, just purely based off the numbers, Kenny Pickett's in his own tier in my model. Mm. All the EPA stuff. And I think that his athleticism was good enough where I think he's going to be my quarterback one. And the rest of them are just how big of a gamble do you want to take with Malik Willis aim for the ceiling three years from now, Matt Corral, can he just run a normal offense? And then Desmond Ritter, can you fix his mechanics? And I don't know. Usually all three of those things are no's, you know, like most of those are like, nope, can't do that. Can't do that. Can't do that. So I think ultimately I'm going to have one late round one grade on Kenny Pickett. And then the rest of them are in that, that round two gamble range. Um, it just kind of depends on like how long, if you're a GM, do you have to wait this thing out? More I look at the draft board and the order, the more I absolutely believe the Panthers bypass him, any of these guys at number six. I've yep. been steadfast in that for a long time. And that the first team that takes a quarterback is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's where I'm at. And it's impossible to know which one they're going to take. Hopefully we know because they were totally transparent last year with running back in Najee Harris. But it's, I think, going to come down to like your relationship with a prospect that you create and cultivate during this process and which one you believe you can hone into the style that you want to carry your team with moving forward. Because that Mitchell Trubisky contract is absolutely backup numbers and they brought in no one else. And so to me, that is the target for the first quarterback off the board here, unless the Seattle Seahawks totally shock us at number nine overall. Yeah, I was going to pull this up. This is just a uh, draft order right now, just to run through these teams. The Eagles seem like they are trading 
picks in the future because that's when their target for their actual quarterback is. So I don't see them. The Saints, Nick Underhill posted a video that he'd be surprised it's a quarterback, and he thinks that they're kind of in win-now mode, which is basically reflective of all their offseason moves this year, pushing money into uh, the future so they can keep this older roster. Um, I'm with you with the Steelers. They make total sense. But then that's like really hard to find the landing spots. Like where are these quarterbacks? So like I've seen mock drafts with like four quarterbacks in the first round stuff. One man, it where who? I like, think just the Steelers. Where it has it stands right now, I think just the Steelers are taking a quarterback in round one. So getting rid of these top two, and again, it's not either just Pickett or Willis there at twenty. I wouldn't be shocked if it's either of these two as well. It's a four-person race to me to be the only quarterback selected in round one, and that's probably not coming off the board until 20. Yeah, and that's basically if So what, what happened is we kept mocking the quarterbacks up higher, and then I kept looking at all of the, the draft boards, like when people are saying, all right, this is how these are my rankings for this draft class, and it was not matching up at all. Like nobody had top 10 grades on these quarterbacks, but they kept getting mocked that high. I was even looking at a mock draft from the Lions beat reporters. And there's two of them, both from the athletic and basically all these quarterbacks were on the board and they just pass on them on 32 and 34. And it seems like they're very committed to Jared Goff for for this year because they also moved Jared Goff's contract into the future as well. So then you just start getting into teams like the Texans. We don't think that they're drafting a quarterback. Uh, The Seahawks just, just uh, added Geno Smith back to the game, $7 million for whatever reason, Andrew Locke. So I still think that they're in range, but well, like at, Atlanta at 43 is possible. The yeah. Giants at 36 is possible. Like th- it's it's all these things. But once we get to round two, I mean, hey, I don't know if you can quickly pull this up. All the quarterbacks that have been taken in round two, it's a total crapshoot, man. Like once you go beyond round one, good luck to you for finding your guy for the future. And based on these conversations that we've had in all four, maybe they all belong in that area. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's what makes sense to me. Like you're taking gambles. Like I don't see a franchise quarterback in there. I see like some upside case for that, but I think that's where you take the gamble. I mean, get into the range where it's like uh, Denzel Mims and Andy Isabella. Like we, we don't feel confident about, about those, those wide receivers and those other big skill positions. Like when the edge rushers drop off and the wide receivers drop off, then I think you can kind of get back into the mix where if you, if you are a Falcons team, like 43rd overall and like Malik Willis is there or Matt Corral, like, Sure, I think you can kind of take a gamble, and you, there's not um, a full commitment. I think that's kind of where this draft class is. Yep, I think we see it the same. There's still two weeks left. We know at least in the next week, week and a half is when things really unfold. But it's uh, it's so much more difficult this year to project the top ten compared to last year. Because last year, when I was just thinking about this, there are about 15 names that could logically be top ten picks. Um, this year it's like, it's so many more because there's so many more viable positions, you know, last year it was just two offensive tackles, three wide receivers, two cornerbacks and drop offs at each one of those five and five quarterbacks and some offensive tackles. And like, that's it, you know? This it's year, not- it's it's every single position. There's someone, and so it's really not as easy to stack it like it was last year. It sounds like we're going to be celebrating 1972 Dolphin style on the stream. So, uh, by the way, for you guys out there, we will have an NFL live draft stream on the YouTube channel. We'll have some guests on. We will have some nonsense, I can assure you. Some alcohol. Of that. 
Yes, lots of it. Uh, we might order some pizzas for people in the chat. Who knows what we're going to do, but we will have guests on. We will have a very fun and fantasy-focused show for the actual NFL draft. Very curious to see how many of these quarterbacks fly off the board. The people drafting four in the first round are mocking that. I think I'm going to be on the flip side. I still like the under on two and a half. I'm not sure if I'm buying all the hype on these guys. One, just one. All right, we'll get out of here. We'll be back with shows next week starting on Tuesday with like a grab bag of prospects that we haven't gotten to yet, including Desmond Ritter's Alec Pierce, who he destroyed a lot of the positional advantages that Pierce created and forced him into contested catches. I know there's a bunch of other running backs and wide receivers, maybe a couple of tight ends or two. We'll get on there. Mm, <laughs> maybe, maybe not though. <laughs> All right. Hope you all have a great weekend. Thanks for liking, subscribing on YouTube and on the podcast feed up the bill. Everyone. We, Talk to you all soon. See ya.